Today's scripture lesson is part of the story of Moses. Moses sees that the people of God are suffering as slaves in Egypt. Moses leads the people through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land, but on the way, they face many challenges in the wilderness. So listen in this text to how God responds to their frustration with the way that life is turning out. From Exodus chapter 16, beginning at verse 2. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people should go out and gather enough for that day, and that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for God has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. May God bless this reading to our understanding. Sometimes... The sermon topic that I pick on Monday doesn't make any sense by Friday. On Monday, the title of this sermon, Feasting in Famine Times, made a lot of sense to me. We are right at the two-year mark of the global pandemic becoming a critical concern for those of us here in Kansas City and in this congregation. And so I wanted to look back on the pandemic and ask, where is it? that we have discovered the presence of God. Though it felt like a famine and a time of loss and a time of want, did we along the way taste the goodness of God? 
But then Russia bombed and invaded Ukraine, killing civilians and soldiers in an unprovoked war on 40 million people. The bullying and evil atrocities make no sense, and the fear around the globe leaves all of us reeling and wondering what this means for the geopolitical climate going forward. How do we make sense of a God of love and justice when the world seems so fragile because of human greed and cruelty? It is easy for us to turn to grumbling and complaining, which I think is exactly where the people in today's scripture lesson find themselves as well. Today's scripture lesson comes from a section of the Bible called the Wilderness Wanderings. The people are stuck in the desert for 40 years, which in Bible speak means a long time, way too long. And they have grown impatient and frustrated. Moses was called by God to dramatically lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses miraculously parts the Red Sea so that God's people can pass through to safety. And then Moses leads the people to the promised land. They should be throwing a party to celebrate their newfound freedom, but instead they realize that they are not yet in the promised land that they wish to live in. And as soon as they settle into the bitterness of pinching their tents every night in the desert, they start griping and complaining. At least, they say to Moses, at least back in Egypt we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, but now, Moses, you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole congregation with hunger. They are what you and I would call today hangry. They are worried there is not a Walmart or a Trader Joe's in sight. Maybe the food that they were served by their slave masters back in Egypt was tasteless, but at least it was food. In these 14 verses, we are told seven times about the vehemence of their complaining. They murmur about where their next meal will come from, and they begin accusing Moses of leading them astray. They would rather have full bellies and suffer oppression as bricklayers in Egypt than starve on the highway to freedom. This upheaval and uncertainty in life leaves the people of God frustrated beyond belief. Though bombs are not falling in our midst, we have begun to imagine the ways that Russia's aggression could threaten life for more than just Ukraine. And our planet has just experienced a pandemic that has claimed five and a half million lives and is not yet fully behind us. We too have known the frustration and the complaining that comes from living in a time of wilderness or famine. The pandemic impacted all of us. We too complained as we wandered around in the desert wasteland called pandemic our medical personnel, and our frontline workers, and our sick patients endured the shortage of nurses in the ERs and the ICUs. Parents of young children became exhausted trying to juggle working from home while teaching third grade math and quarantining kids 
due to one more possible COVID exposure. Our beloved elderly faced social isolation that seemed unprecedented, and some died without the comfort of a pastor or a granddaughter cradling the hand or a spouse there to kiss on the cheek. Our college students were challenged with the mental health crisis. Even before the pandemic, our young adults were experiencing record high levels of anxiety and depression, and the pandemic only intensified these pressures. We all go through times of desert wasteland, of spiritual famine, of wandering around as souls who do not yet know if we can arrive at the place of God's promised good gifts in this life. One Bible commentator says that what the people of Moses were experiencing was not so much a food crisis as it was a faith crisis. And one of my favorite professors in seminary writes that God's people were doing more than griping in the wilderness. They were expressing their disbelief in God. My granny always lived in Frost, Texas, population 523. And to me, that place seemed like a barren wasteland. On the way to Frost, we would always pass barns that looked like they collapsed decades ago, boarded up gas stations, and dilapidated houses that looked like no one could possibly live there, but they did. Behind Granny's house was a lean-to that was her chicken coop, and across the dirt road from Granny's house were children barefoot playing stickball in the street in 100-degree heat. It was barren, hopeless, desolate, and poor. My Granny never had a telephone. Well, that isn't entirely true. When Granny got old, one of her ch 12 children would occasionally insist that Granny get a telephone in case there was an emergency, and they would install this phone, but then we would come to Granny's house and we would say, we tried to call you, and she would say, oh, and she'd get this little smirk on her face, and she would kind of cackle, because that's how she laughed, and she would say, I think I unplugged it. And so our family would just show up on a Sunday afternoon, making the hour and a half drive after church to Granny's place. And when we walked in, we would so often find two pies on her Formica counter, a fresh baked lemon meringue pie and a fresh baked coconut cream pie. And my sister loved the lemon and I loved the coconut, but neither my sister nor I could figure out how Granny knew we were coming. And as we would drive back home, I would wonder all the way home, what if we hadn't shown up? Who would have eaten those pies? And sometimes I think God is a lot like my grandmother, generously providing a feast for humanity, but we don't always show up to participate. We don't reach out to God. We don't pay attention. We don't notice the manna that God lavishly provides for humanity. When the people of God who followed Mo Moses found their lives in the wilderness with no end to the despair and hunger in sight, God rained manna from heaven. 
They were given this frost-like substance six days of a week. And on the seventh day, they were able to rest because on the sixth day, God provided enough manna for two days. In a time when they doubted if God was still with them, when they were still grumbling and complaining profusely, God rained manna. It was bread. Oh, maybe it was some kind of naturally occurring substance that happened in the desert. We aren't sure, but we know it sustained them. Each of us faces times of wilderness wondering, periods in our own lives that feel more like a famine than a feast. It might be a divorce. Maybe it's a family misunderstanding that leads to an estrangement with the kids or with the siblings. It might be a famine named cancer or Alzheimer's. Right now, we have widespread social upheaval because of global refugee resettlement and the collective angst that we all share as residents of this planet concerned about climate change. But whether it is a pandemic or a personal challenge, are we able to glimpse God anew and find a way to participate in God's feast in the midst of the famine? Well, it seemed on Monday like what we could do today would be to reflect on all it is that you and I have been together. Did we taste the manna that God gave us these past two years? Did we savor time with family? Did we take the time to reflect? Did we re-examine our lives? Did we renew our spiritual quest? Did we take the time to invest in what really matters? Did we find time to reorder all of life so that all of God's children could participate in the feast of God? But when Russia began bombing Ukraine, I had to ask myself, where is God in this wilderness? And so I went back and I read again the story of Moses and the people of God in crisis. What happened in the wasteland of their despair? And I read, God heard the people. God appeared to the people. God brought them to a new place, although it took a long time, 40 years, God spoke, God rained bread, and sent quail for breakfast. But the people, they didn't quite get it. The people looked out at that manna, and they said, what is it? And someone else said, what is it? They kept asking what is it? For they still do not know. Can this God be trusted to love them, to care for them, to remain with them, to nourish them, to sustain them? What is it? They still do not know because even the faithful question God. Where is manna in the midst of a war? Can we still trust in the goodness of God even in the time of war? How is it? I think looking back, how is it that some folks during World War II became an active part of the resistance in that movement to overturn Hitler's evil regime? How is it that a teenage girl 
hiding in an attic named Anne Frank was able to write in her journal, It's really a wonder that I haven't dropped all my ideals because they seem so absurd and impossible to carry out, yet I keep them because in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. How did the people of God hold on for 40 years in the wilderness, surviving only on enough food for one day, the manna? During World War II, a Christian pastor in Germany named Dietrich Bonhoeffer risked his life to oppose Hitler, though many of his pastoral colleagues and fellow Christian leaders caved to Hitler's pressure to conform. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, God loves human beings. God loves the world. Not an ideal human, but human beings as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God, what we shrink back from with pain and hostility, this is, for God, the ground of unfathomable love. On Friday, the day after Russia invaded its neighbor, Ukraine, I went out to lunch with a friend. It was her birthday. It was, it was a feast. We would celebrate her birthday, a special birthday. We would order appetizers and salad and a main course and dessert and coffee. And just before we left, my friend turned to the beautiful young waitress who had been serving us this feast, and she said to her so casually, Where are you from? And our wait person said, Ukraine. And my friend and I instinctively reached out our hands and we grabbed onto her and we said, is your family there? Are your friends there? And she nodded. And then she said, I can't talk about it. And she turned away to wipe her tears. And the two of us sat there at the table weeping. Because sometimes the way that we taste the feast of God's love is through our tears.